Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. The Kings are not in the NBA draft lottery, which is beginning. How freaking nice is that? Huh? How freaking nice is that? Speaking of the NBA, Doc Rivers is out as the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We uh, talked about this yesterday and speculated that that would occur. And I don't really think that there was any question on whether that was going to happen, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't understand a lot of things that the uh, 76ers do, but, you know, Doc Rivers, who has been a horrible big game coach in his career. All right. Mike Budenholzer, Sam Cassell, <clears throat> Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Monty Williams, Mike D'Antoni, all candidates, Mike D'Antoni, all candidates to replace uh, Doc Rivers. So there you have it. Another coach is available. Do you think that uh, Steven Jackson, that moron is going to go on and talk about how Doc was fired over racism? like he did about Monty Williams? Or do you think that maybe he will uh, back off? No, I don't think so. Who's going to be the first idiot out there to say that Doc Rivers' firing was racist? You know what's going to happen. You know there's some nitwit out there that's going to make that claim, right? You think Mike Budenholzer got fired by Milwaukee over racism? What about Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Toronto Raptors? You think he got fired over racism? I'm just asking a question because former NBA player Steven Jackson wants to bring race into just about everything in the world these days. Just an asinine comment. But you know what's going to happen, all right? You know what's going to happen. Just a matter of time. May have already happened. May have already happened, and I'm just not aware of it. But that's the world we're living in today. Plain and simple. That's the world. We're living in. All right, NBA draft lottery, and of course, Victor Wembanyama is the guy that a lot of people are calling a once in a generational talent. You know, we've heard that very often before. So I don't want to get carried away with the uh, once in a generation talent. But I mean, he certainly looks like he's got a lot of tremendous characteristics to be a really good player so anyway nba draft lottery uh the picks will start here in a little bit and then you have some nba basketball the lakers and the nuggets starting game one what do you think of this series you think it's a long series can the lakers beat the denver nuggets of course they can what do you think 
So uh, hit me up, raise your hand, and we'll do it. All right? Stephen A. Smith didn't take long to come out and say that firing Doc Rivers was the wrong decision for the 76ers. May end up being the wrong decision, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it at all. Doc's just not a big game coach. At some point, you know, enough's enough. Got to go in a different direction. All right, let's get to uh, Connor. He'll start us off here. Hello, Connor. Good afternoon. Hey, Grant. How's it going? Good, buddy. What's happening? Yes, you mentioned the Lakers-Nuggets series, and I think it's going to be a really good series. I think that the Nuggets will win in probably six games, but I think the big X factor in this series is Jamal Murray because you know that Jokic, LeBron, and AD are the stars, but the Nuggets' second guy is Jamal Murray, and he has to have an exceptional series if they're going to win. I would agree with you. I think Murray does have to have a, a, a type of a series. You know, I think if the Nuggets end up losing this series – you might very well look at Murray not getting the job done. I think that's a very good point by you. Yeah, and then with the lottery today, comes down to who's going to get Victor Wembenyama. I saw Woj had a lot of high praise for him today. He said something along the lines that he's the best prospect ever in any team sport. I mean, that's extremely high praise from Woj. That's a little, little out of line, don't you think? Best prospect in any team sport ever? Do you think that's a little – that's going a little overboard. Yeah, I, I mean, do, I can't, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine him being a better prospect than LeBron James was coming out of high school. I can't imagine him being a better prospect than you know Sid Crosby when he went number one in the draft. And we can, there are a lot of other you know uh, instances. You know, I'm going to leave football out of it for right now, but I mean, that's a little overboard. But you know, hey, that's the guy's opinion. If that's what he believes, then go out and say it. Yeah, I agree. And the guy obviously has got the skills to be a good NBA player, but he kind of has that frame that Chet Holmgren has, which yep. kind of he's obviously going to have to put on some weight if he's going to battle with the big boys like Anthony Davis and Jokic that we'll see tonight. And he will. I mean, that's why you have locker room, uh, strength rooms, strength coaches. You know, I mean, I never worry about that. You know, most young players come in and it takes a couple of years to get a legitimate – NBA body. So that part, that never concerns me. The first part of what you said is always a concern when you have a frame like that. I think that is spot on. Yeah, but the guy's got, he's over, I think, seven feet tall, but he has the dribbling skills of a point guard. And I just saw one clip of him that I've never seen anyone do on the basketball court when he shot a three-pointer and got a put-back dunk on his own shot. I mean, that's just, that's got to take a lot of athleticism. That was pretty cool to see. It, you know, it, it was, but if you go back and look at that, look at the guy defending him. The guy that defended him turned his back, and he just went right around him into the basket. So, in my opinion, it was it's a little overblown. It does show his overall ability, but the defender, if you go back and look at that play, completely basketball one-on-one, fell asleep. So, I mean, there's part of that as well. It was also a really poor job by the defense on that play. And I think sometimes we have to look at the whole picture, not just what an individual is. Why did it happen? How did it happen? Well, the first reason of how it happened is the team that was on defense literally let him just walk in uncontested to the basket for the putback. Yeah, that's a really good point. And 
One of the other prospects I think is going to go top three is Scoot Henderson. And what do you think about Steph Curry coming out and saying he's going to mentor him through like the starting in the NBA and social media and kind of navigating the new world? I think it's great. You know, I think more athletes need to be like Steph Curry. I think it's tremendous. I really do. I mean, can you imagine being a young player and having Steph Curry come out and say that about you? I mean, could you have a better person to grab you and say, listen, this is the way it's done. This is the way you be a professional. This is, I mean, when you think about all of the accolades that Steve Curry, or excuse me, that Steph Curry has uh, had, right? All the championships, all the fame, you know, all of the uh, advertising revenue being a now a, a, a huge name in the American sports culture, family man, right? Never, ever steps out of bounds, so to speak. I mean, why would you not want that person, you know, being a, a, a model, a role model, a, a teacher, a confidant, I mean, for a young player? I mean, I, I think it's incredible, to be honest with you. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think it's cool, and I'm just I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't happen more often, like you said, because I mean that's got to that's got to boost the confidence of a player knowing that he kind of has someone to look up to, and I'm sure there's a lot of questions that players have when you they're know, entering the league. You know, it does happen a lot more than you think it happens. You just don't hear about it. Okay, um, I'll never forget when the Kings traded or traded, when they drafted uh, Justin Jackson and Vince Carter was on the team. And I think Vince took to him because they were both North Carolina guys. And Vince mentored him and was with him all the time. I remember standing uh, in front of the Orlando Hotel and Vince has a car, a house in Orlando because he lives there in the off season. So we had checked in and we are out front talking to Justin Jackson. And all of a sudden Vince Carter pulls up in his vehicle and Justin gets in and I think we said, what are you doing? Oh, Vince is having me come out to his house. He wants me to see his house. We're going to have dinner out there. We're going to hang out. And blah, blah, blah. You think about that. I mean, if you are a player like Jackson, whose career, by the way, has been, you know, lukewarm at best, but still, you couldn't have a better guy than Vince Carter to grab you and say, listen, I'm going to teach you about being a professional in the NBA. And you just, you know, hang with me. I mean, it, it happens more than you think it does. You just don't hear about it a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. Vince Carter was like the about as professional as you can get in the NBA. So I'm sure that was Justin Jackson was really appreciative of him. There are very few people that I've been around in all of my years of covering not only the NBA, but pro sports that were more, that was more professional than Vince Carter. The guy was unbelievable. And you think about what he went through with Vinsanity and that era in Toronto and his career and all the fame and then you see what's going on with a player like John Morant, right? And you just and, and everybody's different, by the way. I mean, you know, different backgrounds, raised differently, uh, different group of friends. I mean, you can go on and on. But I've I'm always admired at the Derek Jeters of the world that play in the biggest melting pot in the world in New York, 
who is a big time superstar, who is a household name in the city. And of course, all the baseball, but really in the New York area. And not once, not one time, you know, got pulled over for speeding. Did any, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm going to the very minimum here. You know what I mean? He didn't even get a speeding ticket. Now, maybe he didn't drive, but my point is you never heard anything about Derek Jeter. You never hear anything about Steph Curry, right? Um, same thing with LeBron. Now, LeBron, you can criticize for social media uh, ridiculousness, but you can't criticize LeBron for being a father, a husband, you know, for being, you know, that good guy off the floor. I mean, you can't. I mean, there are – It's. I'm always amazed. And maybe I shouldn't even use the term amazed. Maybe I should expect that more of our other athletes. Why can't more people be like Derek Jeter? like Curry, right? Like LeBron, like Vince Carter, like a Larry Bird, right? Like, I mean, we can go on and on, like an Aaron Judge. Now think about this. Aaron Judge with social media, the biggest star in New York, still talks to the media every day, still comes out and signs autographs for the fans every day, doesn't complain, does it with a smile on his face, still does post-game interviews on the field with the Yankees radio team of Susan Waldman and John Sterling. Susan goes down onto the field and interviews him, still always says yes, always accessible. You know, that's real special when you have a player like that. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up of how, I mean, lucky both of us are to be the New York sports fans where I grew up with Jeter and then Judge and then Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Yep. Obviously, Daniel Jones isn't on that level, but they're all so professional. They're always just seem to be such nice guys and are never in the news for any bad reason. No. Well, Daniel Jones is a carbon copy of Eli Manning that had to handle yourself as a professional. So in that regard, he's a mirror image of Eli on the field. No, yet not yet. But he is a mirror image of Eli Manning being the quarterback of the New York Giants. No question about it. I mean, think about this. Just look in the other locker room in that stadium and look at all of the controversy that surrounded Zach Wilson over his mom, right? over his girlfriend, over, I mean, think about all of the nonsense that was surrounding Zach Wilson in the Jets locker room as a young quarterback. You never, ever saw that with Daniel Jones. You never saw that with Eli Manning. You know, you never saw that with Phil Sims. You just, it never happened. But here's a guy in, in Zach Wilson coming out of Brigham Young, by the way, and that happens before he even steps onto the field, right? So, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to handle yourself. And if you handle yourself the right way, your life and your job becomes a lot better and a lot easier. Yeah, and speaking of Aaron Judge and how he doesn't usually get into the news a lot, did you happen to see the thing today about the Blue Jays complaining about yep. possible sign stealing? Well, I do think they have a good point about the first base coach being way outside the, the coach's box. The lines are there for a reason. So I do think that the Blue Jays in this situation make a good point. As much as I love and respect Aaron Judge, I don't buy the fact that he's looking into the dugout to see what's going on with the chirping right before the ball comes in. Because if he was going to do that, he would have just turned his head and looked into the dugout as opposed to secretly moving his eyes with no head movement. So I don't buy that from Aaron Judge. I believe that whatever was going on, uh, I'm not saying it was illegal. I'm not saying it was against the rules, but I, I don't necessarily buy 
I mean, you, let me ask you a question. I'm only talking about common sense because I've never played Major League Baseball. Are you really, right before a pitch is thrown, going to be, like, concerned with chirping going on in your dugout when you're concentrating on hitting a pitch? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. And I, I saw today in the game that's going on right now, it kind of boils over. The Blue Jays manager was, like, yelling some things at the Yankees third base coach and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know yep. what's going on, but it seems like there's always a sign-stealing scandal with the Yankees, and it never seems to really get to anything more than just rumors. Well, again, I do agree with the Blue Jays' contention about the base coaches being way out of the box. Why, why have the chalk on the field for the coach's box if – you're not going to be standing in the coach's box. I mean, to me, there's a reason why the lines are on the field, and that's where the coaches need to stay. Now, are there circumstances where they can come out of the box? Yeah, of course. You know, on a on a runner that's rounding second who might get the green light to come home, you want the third base coach down the line so that the runner has a better angle to see him. So that's appropriate. But when the pitch is being thrown, no, the coaches need to be in the batter's box. I don't know why that's – why anybody would have a problem with that. Yeah, and then last thing, I just saw that Adam Silver was interviewed on ESPN about the John Morant situation for a couple moments, and he basically said that the situation, the video was a shock to him, and they're going to do an investigation and everything. And why is it a shock to him when the penalty for the first time was so little, and what makes him think that it wasn't going to happen again? I'll tell you why it's probably a shock to him because he had a one-on-one -on -one closed meeting with Morant before he came back and only he is privy to the conversation that went on in his office. And he probably felt that when John Morant walked out of his office, that this would never happen again based on the way he answered Adam Silver's questions and their talk. So I could see that, you know, I could see that. I mean, if, if you are, let's say a teacher at a school and you have a, student that gets in trouble and you have a closed door meeting with that student, you know, based on the way they respond to your questions and your demands, you probably have a good idea whether it's going to happen or not. And I would, and I'm speculating here, I could be wrong, but I'm speculating that Adam Silver, when he had his meeting with Morant, thought that this was not going to happen again, that his behavior was going to change. So I think that's probably why he said he was shocked by it. Now, he may have used the wrong words and maybe he shouldn't have said that. Or, or, and again, I didn't see Adam Silver's press conference. Maybe he could have added, I'm shocked after the meeting that I had with him. I didn't think this was going to happen again. If he had said that, that would have been fine. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. And just going back to one more thing about the Yankees, I just got a notification. I was watching the stats of the game and I saw that Domingo Herman had like a no hitter through the first couple innings, but apparently he got ejected for substance check. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, because that would be a 10 game suspension. We saw it happen with uh, uh, Max Scherzer a couple of weeks ago. It's an automatic 10 game suspension. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see how that goes in the next couple of days. Yeah, it's 2 nothing Yankees, uh, bottom of the fourth with uh, one out. I'm not following that game other than online, but yeah, that will be, you know, again, it's, it's pretty uh, clear cut with that happens. It's a, a 10 game suspension. So yeah, that would not be good. 
No one. That's all I got today. Thanks for the conversation. All right. Take, take care, buddy. Bye bye. All right. Let's move along. We get to uh, Waggus right here. Hello, Waggus. How are you? I'm doing good, Grant. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. Yeah. So just uh, the only thing I disagree with Connor is, and and, and maybe you know I, I agree and disagree is, uh, you know I think the first suspension of Moran was kind of you know I mean it was eight games. I, I don't think it was light at all. Uh, especially with the way, you know, w- with which part of the season. I mean, would you agree with that? I, I think eight games was a lot, you know? Yeah, I didn't think it was light. I think eight games, when you yeah. think about it, is a lot of games in an 82-game season. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I would and, agree with you. I didn't, I, I didn't think eight games was that light. Yeah, and, you know, like like when he, when he like, spoke Moran after that and he did an interview with Jalen Rose and – you know, again, we're not in people's head, but I felt like maybe maybe the guy was serious, right? And you know, he you know he's young, he messed up, right? And uh, but but when I saw it again, I was I was actually shocked too because it it just it just he did everything right in public. After that, he said all the right things, and then you know, so uh, I got I got one I got one line for you, and I use yeah. it all the time. Waggus, you know this because you listened to me for many many years, and I use this with a lot of athletes that repeatedly get in trouble. Actions speak louder than words. Words don't mean much if you don't back them up with the actions to support what you're saying. You can talk, 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 talk. You can say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actions speak louder than words. Okay? So, Grant, let me ask you this, because you've been around athletes a while, and John Moran has everything that people, not only not in this um, country, but in the world would want, right? He has everything, everything a man that dreams of, right? I mean, I mean, from a financial point of view, from a star status, right? From you know, I would think so. Yeah. I, I don't know what else he yeah. doesn't have that he would want to have, or that he couldn't have with his, you know, money that he's making. I would agree with that. Yes. So, so I, I guess my, what my question is, because you, because you have been around these athletes and. Is it, and I'm not going to say that there's something mentally wrong with it. I don't want to, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that could it be something of that nature or like what's going on here? Or do you think he's just, you know, like hanging out with the wrong people to make these decisions over and over again to put his, his phenomenal career in jeopardy? Lagos, everyone's different. Okay. Everyone has a different ticker. Everyone has a different brain. All right. Um, I've used examples of siblings growing up in the same household with the same parents. And one comes out to be extremely successful and the other one ends up being a career criminal. Right. Like, I, I don't I don't understand how that happens, but I'm not a psychologist and I'm not I'm not qualified to answer that. What I would tell you is, in my experience, you know, early on. When a player comes into your organization, whether you have to worry about that individual or not whether you need to coddle that player or not, whether you have to treat that player a little bit differently or not, whether you have to keep an eye on a player more than other players, you know that in a very quick period of time. And everyone within the organization knows there are no secrets on a team. It's like there are no secrets within the walls of your family. You know, everything that is going on. It's the same thing in sports. When you have particularly a basketball team that doesn't have a lot of players, you know, in a very short period of time, who you got to keep an eye on and who you don't. And you know who has the uh, possibility of trouble. Like, I'll, I'll give an example of one player. I don't want to mention the name. Yep. But there was one player that had repeated 
uh, DUIs. And there was a conversation when the player was getting ready to be signed by a team. And the agent said to the general manager, uh, you know, he's not drinking. He's not, excuse me, he's not driving anymore. Uh, We have got a car service for him. And the general manager looked at the agent and said, I don't think his problem is driving. I think his problem is drinking. Okay. Because he had had multiple DUIs. And so like, you always have to, like, I always say this, when you, when you take a player, like I'll bring up DeMarcus Cousins, since everyone that's listening here is so familiar with him. If you're going to sign him, okay. Like Denver did last year at the end of the season, Michael Malone knew what he was getting. Michael Malone didn't think he was getting a, a, a change to Marcus. He knew that he was going to have to put up with his tirades, with yelling at teammates on the bench. And they made a decision as an organization to do that. Now, they didn't make that decision saying, well, when he gets here, we're going to change him. The one thing I've learned in professional sports over my years is you really can't change a person. If they don't want to change, you can't change them. And very often, players do not change who they are. And again, everyone is different. And that's why I've always said in professional sports, it's not only talent that wins. You have to have all of the other intangibles to go along with your talent. Talent is fine, but if you can't put it together with the other aspects of being a professional, you're, you're never going to be successful. And we see it time and time and time again. Like look at James Harden, for example. Okay. Now has Harden, Broken the law? No. No. He doesn't go out and break the law. He's not getting arrested. But look at his actions off the court. Again, demanding what time the team leaves on a trip. Demanding this. Demanding that. Okay. Um, So what is that? That's a distraction. He's not all in. And in professional sports, when you have players that are not all in, then you have the inability to win championships. You can't win championships with players that are not all in. It's just not possible. And that's what's so sad about this as a fan. You know, looking at it's kind of really sad what's happening to him. It's like he's throwing his grant. It's a tragedy. You know, I mean, if he ends up. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So and, and that's why with James Harden, I know he can play because I see him play. I mean, just in that game one and game four he played in. And you're right. It's just, it's just, you know, like I texted you the other day, or you know, I DM'd you. It's he, he just doesn't want it bad enough. And that's where I kind of miss Kobe, because you know, Kobe. I, I remember in 2008 when he lost to Boston, he was like crying, and and you can tell how hurt he was. Like he wanted it so bad. And I just yeah, but the Kobe, Kobe's, Kobe's come around once every 50 years, or once every 25 years, maybe not once every 50. Yeah. Kobe Bryant's are once in a generation. The makeup of his personality where I I shared the story with you, you know, if Kobe went to the gym at seven in the morning and there was somebody already there before him that pissed him off. And the next day he would get there at six 30. And if that guy was still there at six 30, the next morning he would get there at six. Like he was never going to be outworked. He had that mentality that no matter what, nobody's ever going to outwork me. And that's a very, you know, who else is like that? Isaiah Thomas is like that. When Isaiah was with the Kings, he was the same way. He's the same way right now. The guy's spending hours in the gym hoping to get another chance. He may not make it, but it's not going to be because he didn't work 
and and because he was outworked, he, he it's just because it's not going to happen because of his injuries. So you know there there are a lot of things about this that are interesting. There really are. But what I would say to you is, and I, not you directly, but to right. to my audience and the sports yeah. fans is, it's very dangerous. And dangerous may not be the right word, but it's not right to say, well, look at this guy and look at that guy. Everyone's different. I'm sure whether you have siblings or not, but I mean, if you do, you're probably like, I'll, I'll give you my example. Right. My brother and I are three years apart. My brother and I are as opposite as you can be in almost everything, except for our love of sports. He was naturally smart, a national honor society without really, really having a study. I, I'm just the opposite. I was not naturally smart with right. the books. Okay. My brother was a straight 4.0 student. I was a C plus student. My brother um, IQ much higher than mine in terms of book smart, in terms of not having to spend hours preparing for a test. All right. Um, his group of friends and the type of friends that he had 180 degrees different than the group of friends that I had. And yet we grew up with the same mom and the same dad. So we're, people are different. You can't just say, well, look at Kobe or look at this or look at that. People are different. You know, they, they just, yeah. But you and your brother have one thing in common. You guys know right from wrong as far as, you know, at your workplace, if somebody tells yes. you not to do something, that's what I mean by that. You know, like, like. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that's, I've never really understood that too. John Morant knows what's right from wrong, doesn't he? I mean, he's an adult. How would he not know? Yeah, what's right yeah. from wrong that's so then that tells me does he have an alcohol problem does he have a drug problem does he have a uh again you know what's the the inward now mental health problem right isn't that what the new thing is in this era oh he's got mental health or she has mental health issues well people that have mental health issues tell you they're very real and they can really mess up your life i'm not qualified to speak on that so there are a lot of reasons for that but yes i would think that most adults and I'm yep. saying most because that's obviously not true of all adults. Know the difference between right and wrong. Yes. I mean, I, I would think that. I, I would think that. And and, and and the difference between Harden and Kobe, you are correct. They're not the same. And because, you know, he doesn't have that, you know, like, and I guess I'm just sad that he doesn't have that because I do think he's he's a pretty good talent that we have. And. You know, it, I'll, oh, but I'll I want to. I just want to. I want to interrupt you. The Spurs yeah. have won the lottery. Yeah. How about that? Something. Yeah. Wembenyama is going to be in the Western Conference. How about that? The San Antonio Spurs. The lottery, and you know what? And I'm happy that a team like the Spurs yep, exactly. won the lottery. You know why? Because they're terrible. And that's the way the lottery should work. Right. But they have been so. Think about the players that they've drafted number one that have won championships for them. David Robinson, yeah. Tim Duncan. And now Victor Wembanyama. How about that? And I'll tell you what else this may do. This yeah. may keep Pop around for a while. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And yeah. And um, one last question I wanted to ask you. I, I do agree with you. Um, other than LeBron's social media comments, he's pretty much had a perfect career. He never gets in trouble. He has a beautiful family. I really like what he's doing with his kids. You know, like he's, you know, essentially helping them become their own individuals as far as, you know, pursuing a born basketball career. Uh, but would you say, but LeBron still has made mistakes on social media, which I think yeah. uh, have hurt him. If he hadn't done that, he would have been our perfect athlete. Um, so would you say then, and then of course, Kobe had his own situation, right? So with that being said, would you say Michael Jordan 
was the only athlete that you've ever seen. And I'm not even talking about his gambling. I, I think he had a little right. gambling thing that happened, which I don't think that that was a yep. thing. Yep. Yep. Whatever. Would you say right. he's the only one with the scope that he's had on him uh, as being the biggest athlete, you know, you know, even bigger than LeBron and Kobe? Would you say that he's the only one you've seen? Like, well, no, because there's been Magic and there's been Bird as well. So yeah, we have to, you also have to understand when we talk about all of these issues, yeah. there's, and I think we have to label it this way. Yeah. I think you have to put it in this group. Jordan in that era, pre-social media, yeah, that's true. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Magic Johnson and his lifestyle yeah, in this day true. and age with social media? He'd be in the news. He'd be in the news all the time, would he not? Michael Jordan, if he played in this era with his gambling, going in the, he'd have cameras following him all over the place, everywhere he went, right? And think about the distraction that could cause. Social media has changed. Yeah. I will tell you this: when social media became a thing, players on the Kings went from going out to bringing their Xboxes and video games yep, onto the plane, yep. onto the plane. And they would just hang out in their rooms instead of going out. And they would order room service and all of that. And they would really not go out like they used to go out. When I was younger, doing the games in the late 80s, the 90s, uh, the early 2000s, before social media, all the players went out all the freaking time and they didn't worry about trying to be framed, you know, or being spied on or it didn't happen. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree. I just, yeah. Yeah. So, um, other than, um, Hey, let, let me, let me, let me interrupt you for a minute. Cause I want to get this out for those that aren't watching a lottery Spurs are going to be selecting one followed by Charlotte two, Portland, right. three, Houston, four, all right, those are your top four picks, Spurs, Hornets, Blazers, and Rockets. So three of the four teams in a Western Conference are the winners of the draft lottery, but the Spurs are the big, big, big winner with, again, hitting gold for the third time in their franchise after David Robinson, then Tim Duncan, and now uh, Victor Wembanyama. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. That's a, a good organization. Of course, I'm not happy because, you know, <laughs> he's yep. in the West now, but – yeah, so I, 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 um, I do want to I want to make one last thing, but I do want to ask you um, one question. So even back then, why was Jordan's gambling a big thing? It's not like he was gambling with other people's money. I mean, he's very... Uh, it wasn't a big thing when he was playing as much as it was after his playing. His gambling became much more of a bigger thing um, after his career than during his career. When he played, there wasn't really, it wasn't that big of a deal when he played. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think it ever affected his game. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, so... Um, nothing, nothing affected his game. Nothing yeah. affected his game. You know, I mean, the, the athletes like that, they're, they're not affected by... They're just... They're great, and they're always going to be great. And so, yeah, no question. And last thing I want to say, out of the four teams left, um, I think the Lakers are going to win it all because I think that they, while he does take breaks... Uh, they um, they have the best player in the world left, and that's LeBron James. And uh, okay, and I just can't go against him. And I feel like the Lakers are on a roll. And if Anthony Davis can stay healthy, I, I just don't see them getting beat. So, but thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right, bye bye. All right, let's move along. We get to uh, Zach. Hello, Zach. Welcome. Hey, I just wanted to uh, well, first since it's over. I think. Uh, the fact with Wemby going to the Spurs as it should be, 
I don't see why that guy can't have like a superstar career. I mean, he's probably in the perfect situation. Would you agree? Yep, I do agree. Uh, the only thing that to me could hold him, well, there are two things that could hold him back. His body, you know, again, we can't forecast injuries and his mind. And I don't know his mind, but what I'm saying is being able to keep everything in uh, contained. And I think Pop's the perfect coach for that. I think he's the absolute perfect coach for that. Would you say in about like, I don't know, three, four years, we have, would have to worry about Pop, you know, doing his rest with Wemby or not? <laughs> Let's pray to God, no. Uh, but who knows, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if Pop will be coaching that long. I really don't. I think he will bring uh, Wemby along. And then at some point, Pop's not going to do this anymore, but we'll see. So would you say that Pop probably has just like, what, two, three more years and then he's going to retire? I think this could change his schedule a little bit. I think the intrigue of working with somebody that can be this good on paper, I mean, like, great. Could be very intriguing to pop, to stay there maybe a little bit longer than they expected. We'll see. Gotcha. And then with this whole John Morant situation, like, if I was a Memphis Grizzly fan, I would be really sad. Like, I would be like, wow, what is going on? This is our franchise guy, and he's setting these kind of examples. Like, I mean, who knows? Like, I think if I heard you from your show yesterday – you would say he could be out probably possibly 50 games. I mean, that's devastating yes. as a fan. I mean, well, if, if I'm a fan, 50, I wouldn't want, if I'm a fan, I wouldn't want to root for a guy like John Morant. I, I just, out, I, I, that's not the type of player as a, as a fan that I would care to root for. So it would make it, it would make rooting for the team very difficult for me. I'm speaking for me. I'm not speaking for you. I'm just speaking for me. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, But if he's not saying he's out by 50 games, I mean, there's, there's no way that Memphis is even like a play-in team, like 10th seed, right? I don't, I don't think Desmond Bain and uh, Jaron Jackson could carry that team to like a 10th seed. No, no, they're a non-playoff team. Correct. And it, now so here's the thing. Here's the thing with Memphis. Like, obviously, Dylan Brooks is not a free agent, but like you have this Brooks situation. Now, Jaw, like that team's a mess. And, and last night I was thinking about this, Grant. Like if you're a veteran like Steven Adams, I would want the hell out of there. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate the call, buddy. For sure. Bye-bye. All right, let's get to uh, some more of the folks. We say hello to Eli. Hello, Eli. Hey, Grant. How's it going? Good, buddy. What's happening? Man, Pop is the luckiest coach of all time, isn't he? That's unbelievable, isn't it? Robinson, Duncan, and now this guy. Yeah. Well, you know what? Good for him. I mean, he's a good guy. He deserves it. So. Yep. Um, but what a difference a year makes. We were so excited last year when the Kings had the four seed, and now uh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. No question. Absolutely. It is, <laughs> it is a nice change. Hey, so about the Morant thing, I've only really read about it a little bit, and I haven't really been tuned in that much over the last few days. So he was found with a gun, and he's going to be suspended for a long time. Do we know anything like in greater detail beyond that? Did he do anything no. else illegal? No. He didn't do anything illegal. It's not illegal to have a firearm if you have a permit to carry it. He didn't do anything illegal. That was this. I mean, what he what he, what he what he did what he did that what he what he committed was an act of gross stupidity. Okay, mm -hmm. and when I say he didn't do anything illegal, I'm talking about from a law perspective. He could have violated his contract, and he could have violated the terms of 
the agreement that he had with the NBA after his suspension. So when I say he didn't do anything illegal, I'm talking about from a, uh, you know, criminal perspective. Again, right. it's not illegal to have a gun if you have a permit to carry it, right? Yeah. So, uh, and again, I don't know what state he was in. All states have different gun laws, but I'm assuming that he has a right to carry, but he's guilty of being stupid. And he may have been, he may have broken the agreement of his contract with the Denver Nuggets in the NBA, which would be illegal from that perspective. It wouldn't be illegal from in a criminal sense. So mm -hmm. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Yeah, so this is like an NBA reputational thing probably more than anything else, right? Would you say that's fair? The players' contracts are extremely complex, and mm -hmm. there are all types of clauses for these type of situations. I don't have the language in front of me, but right. he clearly violated that part of the contract. There's no doubt about that. Okay, that's fair enough. And yeah, that was a really interesting conversation with, uh, with Wackus, and I just kind of wanted to follow up maybe on, on somewhat of a philosophical level. So people like John Morant and really just any NBA athlete, anybody who has the, the money and the fame, um, as he was saying, based on your experience, um, you've been around all those people. Would you say, as a general rule, people that have all that money and fame are happier? I don't know if, the, if that's the right word to use, but if you compare those people who have pretty much anything they want and can do whatever they want versus the average person, how would you say? Not really. Like, not really. I've been around a lot of athletes who have everything in the world and are pissed off all the time. And I've been around athletes that, you know, are making minimum salary and are the happiest people in the world and vice versa. So, no, mm -hmm. I, so I, don't, I don't see a trend with that at all. I really don't. I think athletes that have are used to winning and really do care about winning. And that's the only thing that matters. I think that when they're on losing teams and they continue to lose. And even though they have a lot of money, they're very frustrated. And I think it affects their mood. And at times, they appear to be very unhappy. So, no, I don't think so. So money doesn't really solve all problems after all, then. <laughs> well, I'd like to find out if that's true or not. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. And then, uh, Grant, what, <laughs> right. Grant, what about um, as far as players changing? You mentioned it doesn't necessarily happen that often. But have you seen, like, examples of, you know, wow, th this guy started here and now look at how far he's come. And, you know, you're so proud of, like, how he's made the necessary changes. Have you seen good stories like that? Yeah. Yeah, Zach Randolph is uh, Exhibit A. You know, Zach went from being on the the jailblazers in Portland and was on the wrong side of the tracks. And then in New York, uh, things did not work out, but he, I don't believe he got in legal trouble. And then in Memphis, you know, was one of the favorite uh, players in the history of the franchise. One of the great guys that I've ever met in my years of covering the NBA. So he's one that comes to mind, you know, going from the, uh, the a high talented high school kid to the NBA and having nothing but problems with that team. If you remember, it was called the big, instead of the trailblazers, they called yeah. them the jailblazers. Yeah, I do remember that a little bit. Um, okay. And lastly, Grant, um, the, the last uh, four teams standing in the NBA playoffs, who do you have your money on right now? I, I'm rooting for Denver just because of Michael Malone. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm rooting for Denver. I don't have my money on anybody, but I'm rooting right. for, Denver. That would be my pick. How about you? Um, I would, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I think I would agree, but only slightly just because you can't root the Lakers out. And, and don't get me wrong. I really hope the Lakers lose, um, but it's hard to just 
you know, rule them out. So uh, I, yep. I guess I would I would have the edge towards Denver, but not by much. Um, I think yep. in the East, it'll probably still be the Celtics. But it's just super obnoxious seeing the Lakers. I mean, we were talking about, gee, well, they might not even make the playoffs. And then, you know, they're in the play-in, and now they're in the conference finals. And it's just, it's so irritating. I hate it. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Take Thanks. care. Yep. Bye-bye now. All right. Let's get to uh, some other phone calls right here. And we say hello to Thomas. Thomas, how are you today? How you doing, Grant? I'm good, Thomas. What's happening? Well, you know, the social media, a uh, little thing about today and then back in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I lived in Reno and I was parking cars going to college and my girlfriend and I decided to move down to L.A. because she was a dancer. <laughs> and so I got a job parking cars down there and they liked me. So, well, they moved me up to the Playboy Mansion uh, wow. a week to park cars for his party. So my, every Wednesday night, uh, Mr. Hefner would show current movies. Uh, so, you know, like the Lakers and movie stars couldn't go to theaters. So they, he'd play all the current movies, right? So I remember, you know, when the Lakers weren't playing, they would come up. And if I had my social media camera or whatever... I saw Lakers players who were married, who I knew, um, coming out with young girls going down in different rooms. And had there been social media, it would have been a totally different story, you know, back then. Of what they I could saw. have never done that. They could have, you couldn't have. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, like you said, Magic Johnson, you know, um, married guy, but he had, you know, I, I parked his car many times and, you know, he's there with different ladies and um drugs and everything else you know so so social media those guys they got a they got a free a free ticket a free they sure did back then you know those guys did those guys tip well you make a good tips when you did that job um you know they didn't tip because it was all um they some of them did you know robin williams did a lot robin williams oh wow always came up and uh in fact, Robin Williams came out one night. Says I'm bored, and came out, and I'm sitting there on the sidewalk with you know our little orange vests that we had. And he did a 20 minute Pele renovation of it, the World Cup Soccer Championships with a wow. cigarette butt for 20 minutes. He was in <laughs> Pele back and forth. So how about that? Wow, that, that was definitely a trip. But that was my take on social media. You know, I was. Having a, I could have, you know, worked for the, what was that news rag that was way back there? That there was always at the supermarket, you know, that they the had National Enquirer. Yeah. I probably could have made a fortune if I did that, but I'm not. That <laughs> yeah. You could have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You but, could have. Uh, on the other part, too, is um, John Morant. You know, and a, a couple of times I've seen his dad, and I really comes from your support of your family, and I'm not judging or whatever. But I've seen his dad a couple times on the sidelines or whatever, and he's with rappers and big chains around his neck and dark glasses, you know, and it's, it's just kind of if your dad is, you know, maybe not that uh, solid. And I think that's where it comes from. You know, you look at Steph Curry and look at his parents, right? You know, you, you see it all. We never know. We, you can come from good parents and go bad. But it has a lot to do yeah. with family and who you're bringing you know, up. I, I don't know. I don't know Morant's family's history. I don't know anything about that, so it's tough for me to say. But you know, I think there are a lot of factors. But it really boils down to this, okay? 
when you're an adult, you need to act like an adult. And when you're a professional, you need to act like a professional. And the reality is there's a right way and a wrong way to go about being a professional. And he's chosen the wrong way. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. So if you, if you, I don't know if you, I got on late, but uh, if you could say who was the most athlete basketball player that you saw, besides, I mean, well, not, let's say not basketball. I mean, we know the worst was Barry Bonds, right? I mean, that guy, I know you had interviewed him a few times and he was an idiot, but if you could look at a role model, who was probably the best athlete that you've ever seen as a role model? Um, that's a great question. That's, a, I'd, I'd have to really think about that from a, from a, a personal perspective, being around guys all the time. I, I, there were many, many, I couldn't just name one from afar in terms of fame. Uh, Derek Jeter would be up right. there. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm from New York, so I'm being a little biased here. Eli Manning would be up there. Um, you know, if you're a 49ers fan, how about Joe Montana, right? Did Joe Montana ever step out of bounds? Did Joe Montana, with all the fame and the glory and everything else, ever do anything to embarrass the franchise? I mean, never. So, right. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was a great quarterback, but a horrible sports announcer. No, boy, was he terrible. Yes, right. he was. Yeah. All right, Grant, that's all I got tonight. Good stories. Take care. Thank you. Bye. But can you imagine parking cars? Uh, Hugh Hefner's place for those type of parties. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right, let's get to John. Hello, John. How are you? John, you there, buddy? Where are you, John? All right, I'll put you back in the audience. Can you imagine that? What a what an experience that would be. Wow. And you're not parking like, you know, $5,000 cars either. That's got to be something else. All right, John, you screwed me up here. I hit the wrong button. Let's try you again. All right, John, go ahead. All right, John's not getting on today. John, call me tomorrow, buddy. I got to wrap up the show. All right, you all take care. That was a very fun show today. Open Forum Wednesday coming up tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. You all take care. Thank you so much for joining us here on Listen App. Bye-bye now.